BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the Paranormal Girl Podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Alien abduction, the UFO phenomenon, ancient aliens, ultra terrestrials, and fairy folklore. I am so thrilled to be able to share today's conversation with you guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. As you know, our friends at Manscaped are now selling beard products. The leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming are once again revolutionizing the men's hygiene game with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Say goodbye to your stubble trouble and tame his mane. Save 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using code PNG. I asked my partner which item was he was really digging this week, and he said, talk about the brush. I use it twice a day. And I was like, okay, Rapunzel, calm down. And then he explained why and what he was doing. So in the mornings, he uses the beard shampoo and conditioner. And then he likes to brush through it, brush through the conditioner, brush through the moisturizer. He says it helps to more evenly distribute the product. Okay. So in the evening, he likes to use a little bit of that beard oil and then brush through it to more evenly distribute the product. Uh, for direct feedback on the brush and the process, he says he likes that the bristles are hard enough that he still feels like brushed through. And he also likes that they're soft enough that they're not uncomfortable on his skin. Like he's got sensitive skin. And then of course he, he likes that it more evenly distributes the product through his beard, uh, giving him a, a soft to the touch well-coiffed facial hair. <laughs> so standout product for the week uh, for Lee. Uh, and that can be found in the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. If you would like to try this or any other awesome product found in the kit and save 20% off and free shipping, use code PNG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code 
P-N-G. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. My guest is the president of the Crypto Science Society. He also has a bit of a reputation for having an especial interest in UFOs and participating in that world. Having previously worked with MUFON and currently getting his master's degree in folklore, he's got some incredible thoughts and some interesting ways of looking at this subject. Please enjoy my conversation with Jason Cordova. Um, as far as uh, UFOs and folklore, basically, I guess the, uh, the crux of it all comes to the uh, it comes around the idea that UFOs are nothing new, right? Uh, people have been observing um, unidentified aerial phenomenon for as long as we've been around, right? As long as we um, have documentation. Um, and that documentation comes in many different forms, whether it's an, an oral record passed down through a, an indigenous way of storytelling, or a uh, you know cave paintings or certain types of depictions in architecture. Now, um, not to go down the ancient aliens rabbit hole, right? Because that is something to be to distinguish. I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that assuming that aliens did it discounts the credibility and the um, intelligence. We'll just say it um, of of our ancestors, right? And it's not just um, it's not just indigenous people. It's not just you know Asian uh, folks. It's not just it's not just white people, right? Like there are highly advanced. Uh, there's highly advanced architecture. There's highly advanced civilizations in antiquity throughout the world, and um, it disrespects those people to jump to the conclusions that aliens did it. Yeah. So um, that's set that there. Now that said. Um, the idea that they've been around, or at least, again, I'm not saying aliens, right? We're saying UFOs being um, a, a phenomenon that's been around, been with us from, since the beginning, as far as we know, and that um, there's a lot of folklore around it. Right. Now, uh, you, you made a distinction there, or uh, maybe I m misinterpreted that. Are you distinguishing between the phenomenon of alien encounters and ufo sightings are you are you putting a, a big fat line in between those two it's a blurry line <laughs> <laughs> it is a blurry line because i still so here's uh, and we kind of nodded at earlier you hinted at you wanted me to uh get it get into my super theory of super everything um and it's a it's a controversial opinion i think it's going to shake a lot of people up but at this point i'm not so convinced that it's aliens okay let's hear it i, I am excited yeah. So now my bachelor's is in aerospace operations and I have spent a lot of time, you know, a big sci-fi geek grew up with Star Trek, Star Wars, the whole lot. Um, super into it, super into UFOs as this idea of like a real life science fiction. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be aliens. I really do. I want aliens to be there. Scientifically speaking, I know, um, I mean, it makes a lot more sense to to think there there is intelligent life elsewhere in the universe we can't be the only game in town and some of those ufos may have an extraterrestrial intelligence behind them however if we're looking at 
the likelihood, um, you know, just statistically speaking and applying Occam's razor to it, the idea that maybe, just maybe, it's a local, it's a, it's a, a has a local origin. So um, Ivan, Ivan T. Sanderson um, was an author in, um, in the early part of the 20th century who uh, proposed a book called Invisible Residence, where he described the idea of uh, what he called the ultra-terrestrial. And this is, um, I've seen a lot of folks kind of um, using the idea of an ultra-terrestrial to apply to an extra-dimensional being, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in its in its earlier sense, in the way Ivan Sanderson presented it, in the way that I think is more likely, is that the idea that a species originated on Earth, reached a high degree of advancement, and developed high high technology, such as we see with the UFO phenomenon. Right. And of course, this there's there's no evidence like no hard evidence to support this theory, right? Like it's kind of kind of out there, kind of wingnut, but it's not, I mean, it, I feel like it deserves to at least be talked about uh, alongside the extraterrestrial theory and us from the future and interdimensionality when we're talking about who is behind this phenomenon. And honestly, when it comes down to it, it's probably some combination of everything and something we probably never even thought of. Okay. Okay. I, I, I don't think it's wingnut or out there at all. I, I think it has just as much gravity as any of those other theories that mm-hmm. you just mentioned. Absolutely. And and it absolutely could be a mixture of, of all of it mm-hmm. going on. I mean, who knows at this point, but why, why are you focused so much more on this as, as, as a really good possibility? Well, um, there's there's a few things that play into this idea. One um, is that Earth uh, at one time was populated by multiple species of humans. Right? Just because we're here now, just because we're the so-called apex, right, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that, like as far as we know, right? Suppose one of our early human cousins managed to reach a level of advancement and either retreated into the oceans or just went to travel and out into space. Now, here's, so going back to the encounter phenomenon, we get a lot of, uh, a lot of support for this idea from the encounter phenomenon. One, they're usually described as humanoid, right? Some sort of facsimile, something resembling a bipedal hominid, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it is a little bit weird, wonky, right? Um, it's more like us than not. In the context of if it was an alien species, that is one that was biologically evolved on another planet in another solar system, it would probably manifest pretty differently unless there's something universal to this upright walking bipedal intelligence kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But again, we don't know. We don't have a any precedent for a specimen of a life form from another planet yet until we do we just we're just guessing um the other thing is that hybridization in a a large majority of these encounters that folks claim to have there is uh seems to be a theme of reproduction happening 
in order for reproduction to happen, there has to be a certain threshold of genetic similarity. We know that we, that human homo sapiens interbred with uh, Neanderthals and other of the close species of humans. So it stands to reason that perhaps another species of human more closely related to us than one that evolved independently on another planet. And this is not just exclusive to the contemporary alien abduction scenario um, that mirrors in, say, fairy lore from uh, various cultures throughout the world. A lot of times we have some kind of etheric being that is interacting with humans and often results in some kind of hybrid offspring, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Greek myths, fairy lore, you know, getting taken away to the fairy lore, fairy realm in order to be held as a, as a spouse for a, some kind of fae being. And there's time dilations, as in missing time. People go into the fairy realm and think they're only there for a few, a few hours and come back and find either days or years have passed parallel that almost line by line with some of the contemporary encounters like Benny and Barty Hill, uh, Travis Walton, um, these kinds of uh, things run consistent. So um, <laughs> just a little kind of like off the top of my head, little things I've been just kind of bouncing around. Um, I want it to be aliens, but we don't have any evidence for it. And what if, what if, what if and and I also think that the it doesn't get this idea doesn't get enough attention um, or doesn't really get attention because I think it, it's it's more damaging to the ego to think that we're not the we don't have dominion over this planet mm, mm-hmm. that maybe there's there's somebody that's better than us and that's 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 that uh, there and there's all kinds of really kind of strange ideas to explore when you look at that uh, from from that angle. Again, I feel like it's 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 pretty thin, just kind of an idea I've had bouncing around in my head, but that <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's I, what I've been thinking about a lot lately. I I think you know, I'm I have a hard time uh not separating all of these different things like like what you just included in just that little segment there, there there's a lot going on there like there's there's a spiritual element a theoretical element we're talking about fairies we're talking about aliens maybe they have nothing to do with ufos there's a lot of things going on there and i think i compartmentalize these subjects because it's it is more comfortable to do that and mm-hmm. like we so want to put a title on things to label mm-hmm. things but maybe it is just a bit more, I don't know, ethereal or liminal than that. Like, like maybe there's this just big gray area and that's all that it is. So real quick, back to the, the fairy concept, because you mm-hmm. brought that to my attention. I was saying mm-hmm. in an episode, which you listened, thank you, that, I, hey, I can't find any abduction stories prior to, uh, I think it was like 1895, 96, something like that. And you came to me on the side and we're like, well have you looked at fairy abductions it just mm-hmm. never occurred to me and i have heard of of some of those stories i didn't realize how similar to the actual abduction mm-hmm. story those were um and and that goes back in history quite quite a long ways and before that it was 
other creatures or entities or, or things like that, right. right? Right. So just like with the UFO, um, I feel like people are people are relating to this phenomenon um, through the cultural lens that they are existent, right? You know, whether it's angels, jinn, fairies, and now the UFOs and aliens represent this kind of mystical entity for a, a technological scientific age right mm -hmm. that really shifted you can you can see it shift if you look at the um like the airship flap in the 1890s um where people throughout the united states were claiming to see what they thought what, what they described as airships they were craft that were piloted by strange in some cases it varies all over the place and i think that um it's it's one of the i think that particular situation was a case where there were you know there may have been some grains of truth but the the press and media got a hold of it and embellished some things so it it's kind of hard to really weed through um kind of the reality of what was happening there but if we take it at its word right even just as a conceptual idea what was being presented then was very reflective of the time. We're talking like it's steampunk, right? Like it's right. real life steampunk happening, you know, in real time, right? Versus, you know, the 1950s or 1947, right? Kenneth Arnold sighting, Roswell crash, all of these kinds of the concept that the mindset of people observing them were relating to them in this way. Mm -hmm. That was very reflective of the time. Right. So yeah, you take that, you know, late 1800s when the Brothers Grimm were uh, collecting their stories. Now, um, there's there's one in there where um, a girl gets whisked away. Um, well, she's, I think, if I remember right, the story is she goes, she's instructed to go give something to the fairies in the cave. And then she's there for, for what she thinks is a few days. They wine and dine her, they charm her. And then she comes back and it's, it's years later, the place she used to live there, they, they went away there. Her employers are no longer there. Um, she was a housemaid, something like that. And then it's this, whatever is going on there. Oh, the Pied Piper of Hamlin. You know, these, these stories, whether or not they're actually literal truth, whether or not they happened, the idea that these stories are manifesting somehow could be some kind of an indicator that there's something else going on. And that there's this common theme that seems to be playing out throughout history. Okay. Now, take our modern day concept of the UFO, or, or even just throughout history, the things that people have been seeing, the, the aerial mm -hmm. phenomena. The, they, the melts and bolts. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems like a very physical manifestation occurring in the physical world like we're we're snapping photos and getting video footage mm -hmm. of these things sure okay and then we've got this other and yet it still <laughs> does things and yet they still do things that defy what we yeah. understand of the physical laws yeah yeah, yeah. um I, I i guess i yeah i'm just having trouble like just really conceptualizing what this could possibly be. And I, I keep trying to simplify it for myself. And I guess it's just not so, <laughs> it's well, not so simple. I mean, I've been, I've been formally studying this phenomenon for going on 20 years now. Um, I was, uh, I was a field investigator for MUFON after I um, 
after I got out of the Navy, I joined my cousin, Alejandro Rojas, mm -hmm. as a field investigator for the Mutual UFO Network. Um, I founded the Crypto Science Society when I was an undergrad at Metropolitan State University of Denver. Um, uh, you know, and I simultaneously earned my degree in aerospace operations and developed these protocols for being a paranormal and UFO investigator. And over this whole period of time, I've been investigating and, and uh, reading up on all of these cases and all of these stories and all of these scenarios. And the more answers we uncover, the more questions, right? Like every question that's answered unlocks a new question. And it's, <laughs> it's a really, it, it is a rabbit hole, right? It is a really wild ride. Of course, I we all want it to be able to be compartmentalized and to be able to fit into these tiny little, you know, put everything into the category, right? File it, you know, identify this is definitely, this This is a UFO case. This is a Bigfoot encounter. This is a poltergeist situation. So why is this person who has, you know, they called me to their house because they have a poltergeist and yet we're finding other things happening as well, right? Mm -hmm. So this high strangeness aspect that plays in, I think also, um, and for, for those who aren't aware, this, this idea of high strangeness is when it's all, uh, when it can't be compartmentalized, right? Uh, I don't want to get too off course, but um, as an example of a, a good high strangeness case would be the Mossman. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And that's a whole topic on its own. You can, we did an episode about it. You can go check that out. Um, but this idea of high strangeness and what we're kind of coming to think of as a psychoreactive phenomenon. Uh, what, uh, can you talk about that? What does <laughs> a that psycho, mean? Psychoreactive phenomenon is something that happens in response to the observer. So there's a few cases, uh, UFO sightings, where the witness is looking at the UFO and they think to themselves, I wonder if it's going to turn left and it turns left, right? The, the stuff going on in, in Point Pleasant um, in West Virginia, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, when the Mothman and uh, the Silver Bridge collapse and all these things going on, there's a lot of situations where these kinds of things came up, it seemed to be a, a high strangeness scenario. That is based on the narrative of John Keel, who is the primary source for a lot of this. But um, the point is, that there is this um, this thing that happens where there's a high strangeness thing going on, where there's a lot of weird stuff and it can't all be categorized into neat little packages where mm -hmm. we say that's the UFO, that's the Bigfoot, that's the, or the Mothman or or whatever the cryptid is supposed to be, and you know ghosts and men in black and all that other stuff. So what actually is going on here? What could possibly be really happening? And I think that there may be something environmental something that is going beyond our understanding or perceptions that is possibly intelligent that is reacting to us and what our expectations are and what we want to see versus what we think we should see versus what might be more palatable to an individual right so so we are we're, we're basically creating the things that we are saying like there's there's th they're there but it's it's reacting off of our our expectations kind of yeah think of like 
And I'm sorry, I did not expect to get this esoteric. But, um, <laughs> I didn't either. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, but here we are. Um, so think of like the holodeck in Star Trek, right? Hypothetically speaking, let's just say that there is some kind of an intelligent being that is interacting with us that can read our thoughts, read our mind. And therefore, it wants to interact with us in a way that's going to be more comfortable. So it creates this image that it thinks we are going to be able to understand or not. Or it's doing it on purpose and been like, <laughs> the The cosmic you. joker. Yeah. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Which, again, kind of harkens back to that that trickster kind of fairy type energy. Right. Right. So for lack of a better way to identify it, what if it's all just fairies? Sure. They're kind of etheric. They can manifest. They can manifest in different ways. They can change their appearance. They can present things to us that may or may not be physically real. Or maybe it is all just a mass hallucination. <laughs> Or simulation. I don't know. It, gets, it, it can go anywhere. Yeah, right. the theories abound. I hesitate to go the, um, you know, the holographic universe route. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because that's, I can I kind of think that's a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. um, but suffice it to say, I feel like it's at least reasonable to think that there's, you know, <laughs> there's definitely more going on there than we can perceive. And our need and our desire to categorize it is probably inhibiting us getting a true understanding of what it is. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we we did go a bit esoteric there. I love those kinds of conversations though. Let's uh I'll pull it back a little bit and and let's let's talk about some some real aspects of this uh of this phenomenon that we know to be Nuts true. And bolts. <laughs> Nuts and bolts. Maybe not so much. I am curious your thoughts on the uh, uh, aspects of this phenomenon that just confuse it even more, but they are a part of it inherently. Things like crop circles, things mm -hmm. like cow mutilation, things like mm -hmm. men in black. What are your thoughts on those types of that people just automatically lump into all of this? So agricultural, the agricultural anomalies, the crop circles and cattle mutilations, um, I think are tricky uh, because, again, that kind of has to be looked at through a cultural lens. They're lumped into the UFO thing because, you know, what else in this modern technological society could possibly do that, right? Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's legitimately weird. I've had the pleasure to work with um, Nancy Talbot, BLT Research, regarding crop circles and um, she's done some excellent work on, on that. And so I highly recommend to look into her work to get into the like deep, deep stuff with crop circles. That said, I don't know that we're any closer to uh, an answer to what's, what's causing them. We could go into detail about how weird they are and the strange anomalies that, that parallel crop circles and cattle mutilations. One that stands out is they tend to only affect organic farms and cattle. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. You never see them. You never see a crop circle in a Monsanto field. Why? Uh, why are the um, the cattle mutilations only affecting organically raised beef? Huh. 
And that's that's for a fact. Like I've I've just never heard as, that information. As far before. as I know, as far as I know, and as far as like what what we've worked with, the 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 case that uh, me and my cousin investigated, um, and for the at least what I know of the documented cases, um, if not all of them, the majority of them occur with with organically raised cattle. Okay. They're not they're not affecting the factory farms. If they are, they're not talking about it. But as far as we we have documented they don't appear to be happening in non-organic stuff okay um yeah it's again it's one one mystery after another right right now crop circles yes we 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 know we can recreate them it's it's easy to make a crop circle right Mm -hmm. it's not as easy to make a crop circle that causes um the nodes to bulge out it's not as easy to make a crop circle that has a dusting of uh, magnetite and magnetic hematite that sprinkled at specific intervals throughout the crop circle emanating from the center. Okay. Or as we can say, agroglyphs. So there's a lot of things, um, and both of these things tend to occur in uh, with the cattle mutilation cases. So um, magnetite and mag- magnetic hematite are kind of unique. Magnetic hematite only occurs in nature when it's heated up really quick and cooled down. It's heated up and cooled down very quickly. Right? That's the only way to make magnetic hematite. Okay. Um, so what often happens is these uh, pods or like spheroids of magnetic hematite and magnetite um, are found are found in the in in the crop circle or around the uh, around the cattle's. Huh. That is incredible. I I didn't yeah. know you were gonna you're gonna give me all this information. I I I just never heard before. What does it mean? And, I don't know. <laughs> well, this is the kind of stuff that just really makes it so significant, too. Like, this is not just, uh, you know, h- h- pranksters, human pranksters doing this stuff mm-hmm. to, like, fool the masses or whatever. Like, no, there's mm-hmm. something very, very special about these particular uh, occurrences mm-hmm. that are taking place because, you know, like, with the with the the heating process and I, I can't even repeat what you just said but yeah with all those really special signifying things that are a part of it right that is all interesting okay what um before i forget what what was your your part in mufon what i i didn't realize you were as a part of it so extensively but i was i was a field investigator okay okay how long did you do that uh a few years so 2004 to maybe 08 i think okay why uh why did you leave um <laughs> a few reasons one um kept focusing on my studies and the crypto science society was one okay. of them mm-hmm. um also kind of my cousin alejandro got uh got scooped up uh to run open minds tv and it was kind of a well i wanted to we branch off right and do my own thing too mm-hmm. we go in our ways so that was all kind of happening simultaneously so okay all right well i think uh oh <laughs> who are the ufo folk who are the ufo folk <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um we lovingly refer to the, the ufoers right or mm-hmm. the followers kind of the the true believers generally and they genuinely can, you can identify them um, as, as their own subculture, right? Own, mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting too. I, I think in my, in my um, World UFO Day talk, I did kind of hint at 
wanting to talk, uh, really talk a little bit more about the subculture, but I, I get too excited about the phenomenon. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to disenfranchise anybody. And I think that sometimes people can be kind of, um, kind of sensitive and take things personally. And I don't mean anything, um, anything by it, but there's definitely a mentality. There's a lore, right? That thing is a well-known lore. For example, people know that an alien craft crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947, and the government recovered bodies and back-engineered the technology. And that's why we have transistors. And that's why we have... Um, we made treaties with aliens. Eisenhower made treaties with the aliens. All this, all of this lore, right? That doesn't necessarily have a lot of evidence or documentation to back it up, but it's it's ingrained, right? Like you you know that people are out there that that know this and they know it well. Right. And I think that that's something of its own, right? To almost it's I don't necessarily want to take it as far as to call it a religion, but there are, there are those who devote to it with that religious kind of fervor, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And unfortunately, there are some people out there with malicious intent who do prey on that. Uh, they, they exploit that and they prey on that vulnerability and that um, desire, right? That genuine desire for meaning. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, I want, I want it to be aliens. I really do. <laughs> I love it. I want I, I want Star Trek to be real. Yeah. I, I'd love it to be Star Trek. Um we're probably we're probably a, a good ways off from, from first contact if we go that timeline, right? You know, the <laughs> Vulcans passing by and just happened to watch us uh test the first warp drive. But um if if it's um I don't feel like I need someone to proselytize to me about that right mm -hmm. and unfortunately there are those who who do yeah. um and uh so i think it's important to be careful yeah you can have your beliefs you can have your fun and certainly the, the conventions and all the events are a lot of fun and i enjoy them but it's important to be you know to be cautious to be mindful don't blindly follow yeah yeah um and i think there is a way to be logical with this information too um mm -hmm. you know it's it's still there is still a bit of a stigma to e even even hinting that you believe that hey there's something else going on or there's ufos in the sky mm -hmm. or whatever there's still that stigma but i think there is a way to make your way through this information and especially with the government disclosures like basically the government literally saying yep yeah, yep yeah, they're up there right. we don't know what's going on um, right. You know, so they've admitted they're real. Now it's just a matter of, you know, let's let's not let's keep our cool. Let's just be logical about this and go through this and just figure out what what are they? What is it? Which you is know? it's really exciting. It's exciting for those of us who are, you know, really applying this this critical lens to it. And there's been a fissure um, since 2017, since this came out. There's a lot of folks who are, you know, resistant, it's like because it it contradicts the folklore narrative. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, but, but, but Area 51, right? But, but Roswell, the aliens, they have them. How are you, how are, how is the government coming out and saying that UFOs are real, but we don't know who's behind them? Right. Because, of course, we know, you know, right? But that's, so there's that, that fissure, right? And those of us who are like, all right, cool, let's see what you got. 
let's see let's see what's what's happening there and really following following the trail following the evidence wherever it leads us and then the pushback from like but this isn't this isn't <laughs> this isn't the original <laughs> right yeah 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 right? well that kind of it goes into that very you know some people can get a little religious about it and uh, mm -hmm. you know it, it it doesn't matter what side of the line you fall on um anyone can fall victim to that so strongly held belief of anything that you just can't you can't see anything beyond that so mm -hmm. all right well uh i think it is a good time to throw some some quick rapid fire questions at you and and we'll bring this baby to a close cool <laughs> all right so uh, oh, okay. This was a good one. I don't think I asked you the last time. I was curious, what was your first, that first story that brought you into your passion for all things UFO and this world? What was it? What made you pay attention? Mm, my first, that's tough. I can't, like, I can't. <laughs> because it was so, because it was such a big part of my life growing up. Like my dad and my grandma raised me, <laughs> raised me with this, with this interest, with this intention. They gave me um, the books, like the, the Time Life series, you know, Mysterious World kind of stuff. So I can't think of a specific case that was the first, right? But I remember being just ingrained with it from an early age. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um Will we ever get the answers in our lifetime? We will get answers. <laughs> <laughs> but not the answers? They will not be the answers you're looking for. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, I think, uh, you know, my only other question was, unless you have something to add to it, we already kind of spoke about it. Uh, I was just curious what you thought of the more spiritual side behind aliens <laughs> i i think that yeah i think the spiritual side is tricky because it has to represent it's it's every it's something different for everyone i guess i need to clarify the question is are you asking like what does the idea of aliens represent in a spiritual context uh, like I what is the impact of that or is it like I like that question. I think I was I was meaning more along the lines of just that that gray area that we did touch upon before where sometimes uh you know what people people see all kinds of things when they're just waking up from sleep, you know, they see shadow mm -hmm. people and and little goblins and aliens and you know all this stuff that happens while you're astral projecting like there's this very like kind of spiritual side of that aliens sure. get dragged into a bit. Mm -hmm. So I was meaning something like that, but I kind of like your take on the question. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. What does it mean well, spiritually? I guess it depends on the religion or the, the particular spirituality, but you know, I, I don't think that it, for the most part, I don't think it conflicts, right? They've mm -hmm. done studies. There, there's been lots of studies to identify that like most of the, most of the world religions are okay with it. Um, and it fits into the um, cosmology and that um, I guess so it comes down to uh, individual individual um, relationships to it. Now, I do want to point out, though, that there is an unfortunate side effect of that spiritual aspect that appears to be playing out in 
uh, with this soft disclosure, with this, um, what we're finding in how it's being related to in the government is that there is unfortunately a cadre of um, evangelicals who are afraid of it and feel that they represent a demonic presence. And therefore, they restrict funding, they restrict studies, and they try to fight these initiatives. And that there's uh, uh, John Alexander, for example, he was a, um, he's a colonel, uh, an army colonel, and he um, worked with, he worked with NIDS and at the Skinwalker Ranch. And he's talked uh, extensively about this problem, is that the the conspiracy, so to speak, or the, the cover-up or the restriction from this information is coming from this group of people who are resisting it because they feel that it's um, demonic in nature. And that uh, that's, that's one of the, one of the bigger problems that's inhibiting us. Oh yeah. So unfortunate. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not the first time that that's uh, happened and I, I am not right. surprised. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, where would you like folks to follow you, find you? Well, um, <clears throat> the Crypto Science Society is on all of the socials. You can, um, the easiest way to find us is go to our link tree. It's linktree slash paracryptology. And I'll send you the link so you can post it. Um, but we're on all of the, uh, we got the blog, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. And uh, I do want to plug one thing really quick is uh, my cousin Alejandro Rojas is working with Enigma Labs to develop a app. It's in beta right now. They're working on it. So it's an app that you'll be able to download on your phone that will allow you to, um, if you have a sighting, you can report it through the app and upload your videos and it will uh, collect all of the metadata and help to um, create a database for sightings. And uh, and it's hoping to be pretty, uh, a really uh, user-friendly and an exciting tool that'll be able to move some things forward. So keep an eye out for that. And in the meantime, check out Enigma Labs and look at what they're doing out there. So. Yeah, yeah. When Do you know when that app's gonna be released? I don't, but I will keep you posted. Yeah, please do. And I'll, I'll, I'll announce it on the show. That sounds mm-hmm. so cool. All right, Jason. Well, did you have any final thoughts, words of wisdom you would like to leave with us? Final thoughts, words of wisdom. Just keep, keep, um, keep questioning. Right? Don't, don't take anything for granted. And just when you think that your, your theory is, uh, is the one uh, just make sure you have a backup for when it gets shattered, right? <laughs> Very good advice. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I like what you do. Keep up the good work. And uh, I hope to be on again. We'll see you next time. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Jason has given me a lot to think about As always, I just had a fantastic time getting to speak with him again. If you would like to connect with Jason, check out the link tree and the links that I have included below in the show notes. And keep an ear out for the app that his cousin, Alejandro Rojas, is working on. I will be sure to make the announcement on the show when that becomes available so that you can download and check it out for yourself. And I think I might 
too, <laughs> just to be at the ready should anything happen. You never know what you're going to spot in the skies these days. Rate and review the show wherever you are listening. Subscribe if you are watching on YouTube. If you like what I'm doing here, jump on board so you do not miss a thing. That is going to be a wrap for us today. Join me next week. We will be talking alien abduction. Until then, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.